kids in the barber shop today. They both want mohawks, like full-on mohawks, like sh- not full hawks, <laughs> shaved on the side. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh, do it and give them some piercings. Come on, everybody's doing it. You Get don't think so? Temporary tattoos to put on the shaved sides of their head too—that'd be good stuff. <laughs> All right, exactly. I'm going to get the reverse mohawk, also known as male pattern baldness. Well, Jack and I have both traveled and lived all over the country, and it is striking the the number of homeless people you see in western cities compared to other places for a variety of reasons. We're probably not going to get too deeply into that, but uh, suffice it to say that there is a serious need to do something serious about homelessness and homeless people in virtually all of the cities we're broadcasting, including fabulous San Diego. Well, what's the stat on California? California has a, a ridiculous uh, proportion of the nation's homeless. I'll look that up because it's just it's insane. It's very high. And perhaps Lori Zapf knows. Lori is a council member, District 2 of the city of San Diego, and uh, has some really innovative and, to me, realistic uh, views of homelessness. Lori, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And you guys, um, you missed Mousetrap and Battleship, my two favorites. Yes. <laughs> Battleship <laughs> is fantastic. Wonderful game. Uh, terrible movie. Uh, what, what was the... Oh, Mousetrap. Huh. I never had the patience, Lori. Never had the patience <laughs> to properly build the damn thing. Somebody hit us with Spirograph. i got to get that oh, for my kids. I love the Spirograph. If they still make it. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. So listen, one of the things we appreciate... Uh, about you and talking about this problem is that you are, you are a compassionate and decent person, but you're not like a unicorn rider. You're a, you're a realistic person as well. Um, in that spirit, I was told that you your family actually has some experience with homelessness. Is that right? Uh, well, yes, and even worse, homelessness was actually the result of my mother's severe alcoholism, her mental. Um, you know, her mental illness problems. And so she died homeless um, at 44 years old, found in L.A. on the side of a freeway. We can only conjecture how that happened. I was in my early 20s. Oh, my God. Um, that, yeah, I didn't have um, a relationship uh, with her at the time because she had just destroyed my childhood, like all relationships. And she. it was a downward spiral. And, you know, given that experience, that's why I'm, well, I ended up with my brother, sister, and I in separate foster homes, and, oh. you know, I really never had a mom growing up. Uh, well, a mom that was, you know, in my early childhood, really scary, abusive, and all that, because the alcoholic rages and, and so forth. So, you know, I think we, we are just having the wrong conversation, because homelessness is a result of all of these things happening. Um, you know, the men, no mental institutions, our jails have become mental institutions de facto, uh, the massive uh, drug problem, opioid crisis that we're having, the ha- tight housing market in California, you know, rents in San Diego are sky high, and we have um, like 3%, you know, vacancy rate. There's all of these different things kind of coming together at one time. And then in California, we also have, unfortunately, uh, Prop 47 and 57, um, these Uh, propositions that were sold to us by Governor Brown and others as the Safe Neighborhoods and Schools Act and all that were nothing, nothing, nothing of the sort. They were, uh, they took all these felonies and made them misdemeanors. So I've been on many police ride-alongs. I want to see what's going on. 
And I've witnessed it firsthand where they're finding all kinds of meth and heroin and all this stuff, but it's under the $950 threshold. So all they can do is write them a ticket. And I've seen these guys just tear the ticket up in front of the cops. They don't care. Right. They've decriminalized um, crime, so the criminals are now among us and emptying the jails, et cetera. It's, it's awful. Well, and i got to jump in because I've been involved in a whole bunch of these conversations recently. And uh, at some point, somebody would stand up and say, so we, we were talking about homeless people. Now we're talking about criminals as if it's the same thing. And, you know, people will always get up there and say, it's not a crime to be homeless. Well, you're right, it's not. But if you were here in San Diego and you saw all of the crimes being committed by people on the streets, they're not necessarily um, situationally homeless. They're homeless and transients by choice. They don't, like my mother, I'm, you know, she was out there by choice. Everyone was willing to help her. But if we are expecting people with mental illness problems to make sound decisions for their life, you know, we're, we're crazy. I mean, they just can't do that. And um, we haven't even mentioned the terrible hepatitis A problem and the environmental damage uh, being done by these homeless encampments along uh, the various rivers, um, including in San Diego. Uh, but listen, in the time we have, you've you've got some some pretty aggressive ideas that you're trying to push in the council. Tell us what you're working on. Well, um, well, uh, twofold. One, we need to uh, take care of the crisis at hand right now. And that river we talked about last time is illegal, but there are like well over 100 encampments. There's so much disgusting trash down there, but needles, meth cookers, human waste, you name it. As soon as these rains come and it's cloudy today, um, all of this is going into the ocean. You cannot contaminate our environment. So we're looking for every viable option temporarily to get these people out so that we can have a place for them and that we can enforce our laws and say you cannot contaminate uh, now with a deadly disease, virus, um, our, our environmental habitat. Well, and the I remember thing- you. the last time we chatted, you were talking about you know all the incredibly strict laws about kayaking and using the San Diego River. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're ignoring all that and having all these encampments pooping in the river and worse. Yeah, like a large toy, a long, miles-long toilet. Exactly. No common sense in our government. No common sense. The second thing is, if um, having been in foster care, I've been a big advocate. Fifty percent of kids who age out of foster care uh, become homeless within two years. So I'm saying, well, can't we do things to help them now instead of waiting till they're drug addicted on Amen. the street to help them? Amen. You know, that makes no sense. And you know, a third of all foster kids end up. Um, on social services. So in the long run, it is costing us. The jails are full. 60-70% of uh, inmates in our in our local jails were once in foster care. So it's costing us a bloody fortune in the long run. Let's, you know, fill a cavity instead of doing root canals on everybody. It, we have to look at prevention, diversion, before they become like my mother. And on, my mother could have been helped, and my sister, unfortunately, had mental problems, too. And she died a few years ago, my younger sister. But, you know, they could have been helped if there had been intervention early on. And that's why I'm, you know, I'm strong on this. We need to have a holistic approach, prevention, diversion, but not just spend all our money, all our resources on the Band-Aids. I mean, we talk about housing first, housing first. It sounds like a you know, grade school class. Hey, kids, how do we end homelessness? Oh, I know, I know. Let's give everyone a house and no one will be homeless. That is not the solution. Lori yeah. Zapf, uh, sorry, Lori, to jump in as a uh, no. council member, represents uh, District 2 in San Diego. Uh, so you're getting a lot of headlines for at least one proposal uh, to convert the old Chargers headquarters 
um, into yeah. temporary housing for homeless folks? Yeah, it's not really uh, converting it. it uh, when the Chargers left, they had a, a big training camp um, near, near the stadium, and there's actually, because they were training out there, a big, huge lawn, right? And then they have the um, structural uh, lockers, showers, bathrooms, and all that. So just for the interim is, you know, a, a crisis, you know, we're in a crisis situation here with this, um, all the, you know, stuff going on in the river. It's very close to the river. I think we need something in close proximity. I've asked it to be looked at, but you don't just open the doors and let people in. There has to be, you know, security, liability, operations costs. Who's, you know, there's a lot to it. So I've asked for it to be looked at as a temporary measure through the winter because um, clearly the chargers aren't using it right now. How would it how would it not end up being permanent though? I mean, how would you possibly ever shut that down once you got it going? Oh, you know, we've done that before. We we used to have all the time just uh, temporary shelters through the winter, as if our winter is really rugged or anything. But, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like 70-some degrees right now. Um, and then it's just, cloudy. The clouds, they're so oppressive. And then at oh, some no. date you say everybody's got to go, and then where do they go when they, when you close it down? Exactly. That's why um, the tents, we're putting up three big tents right now. They'll be up in the next two to three weeks. And uh, it, it will accommodate 700 people. There's going to be one for just families, one for single adults, one for just veteran adults. And that should accommodate 700. I'm looking for any additional, to, you know, ne- they're not near the river, those. I'm looking for one near the river to be looked at. But that has been the problem. When we've closed them down, they just, bam, disperse everywhere, right? And when we had the big prison release, um, another Governor Brown, thank you so much, prison release, a, a huge percentage of those AB 109 releases, I mean, they had nowhere to go. They're living on our streets all over our state. This is what I'm talking about is not just San Diego. It's L.A., it's San Francisco, it's the entire Oh, yeah, state. as Jill mentioned, it's the whole the western western seaboard, really. Um, oh, oh, yeah, and, and people in various suburbs of all those cities are shouting, hey, we got a bark full of them. I've been avoiding oh, some yeah. questions because it's going to send us off into tangents and they're practically unanswerable, yeah. but I'm going to ask. So your mom, could have been, you, you think she could have been helped. How would, how, would, how would we have done that if she didn't want help how are you going to force her into some sort of mental institution? I mean, what would we, what mechanism would we use to make that happen? Well, we had social workers coming, you know, giving us food and, you know, whatever. And no one, they all just felt good. Oh, we're giving these poor little kids some food and, you know, clothing. Um, but nobody, uh, when she was very first, yeah, this is the problem. Once they get, by the time she had distended liver, yellow eyes, losing her teeth, it was really hard. But in the beginning, when I was really young, if family members had actually noticed, but nobody talked about mental illness, it was just, oh, that's the way Helen is, you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, nobody, my sister had mental illness, and it was just like everyone just thought she was a pain in the butt, and, you know, and she was never treated. She was, we were never given the tools. It has to be family members. That's why I'm talking about this. So, that so you think early on... If you'd have been able to recognize your sister or your mom's mental illness, they would have gone along with getting some uh, mental health care of some sort? Because they have to go along with it unless they're yes. violent or something. Yes. Yeah. yes, yes, absolutely, I do, yes. But it, it was just um, nobody knew how what we were dealing with. And the resources in the 60s, late 60s, they were just not there. Nobody was talking about it. Nobody... It, you know, but I absolutely do. Looking back, I can I can 
think of a time when my mom was really, um, when we were little kids, that um, family members and others could have gotten her into counseling, but people just weren't doing it that back then. Lori Zapp, Lori Zapp of the uh, San Diego City Council. Uh, a couple of things. Number one, uh, more openness and awareness of, of mental illness. Hundred percent with you on that one. And the other thing is, if I can just leave one thought in the minds of listeners. The statistics about foster kids, once they age out of the system, the number of them that end up homeless or in jail or turning tricks is mind-boggling. You want less crime? You want less homelessness? Let's invest in foster kids. Um, and, And, Lori, keep fighting the good fight. It's great to talk to you. You've just almost brought tears to my eyes. Thank you so much. All right. It's our pleasure. And let's keep working together on this because we believe it to our bones. Yes, and I've happened to get transitional housing down here for foster kids, set-asides just for them, and we just need a lot more, so thank you. All right, thanks, Lori. Good to talk to you. Okay, i got a bunch of stuff to say on this, but we got to take a break. Because um, I am not a... I don't want to sit and, and shoot down every idea just for fun. But There's almost, no shooting down my ideas. I summed it up. They're unimpeachable. Try to impeach him if you like. All right. Um, it takes two-thirds of something or other. So stay tuned. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. 415-295-KFTC. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Just a couple of things on uh, the, the homeless conversation we're having. Then I want to hear about Facebook, why Facebook is asking women to send them nude pictures. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of interesting. Why? Because they like naked chicks, man. Facebook's yeah. stealing my bit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I'm buying their uh, their theory. Anyway, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So, so I looked up the statistic just because I wanted to. And um, according to HUD... The Federal Department of Housing and Urban Development. Over a third of all homeless in the entire country live in California. Wow. Which is an amazing statistic. Wow. And it's got to be because you get more stuff and there are more towns that will put up with it. It's got to be. Yeah, that's a factor. Yeah. Climate is a factor. There's too. a lot of warm states between uh, the coasts, uh, you know, on the southern yeah, end of the country. Name one. I can name 15. All right. You got me there. But over a third of the homeless people all live in California. Sure. So, you know, it's it's the welcome environment, whether nobody's going to arrest you or just tell you you got to get out of town. Why? Because. Or, like they do in a lot of places, mm-hmm. or you get stuff handed to you. Sure. I mean, that's just a fact. Now, maybe you think that's awesome. That's why I live in California, because I want to, uh, to you know, take care of the downtrodden. Center. And that's why I vote for other people to pay more taxes, too. But that is, you know, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. So that, that's pretty interesting right there. Yeah. Well, uh, listen, here's my uh, my framework. And listen, I really respect Lori and people like her who bust their butts day in, day out to, to work on these problems, because it's hard. Just to repeat what I said, number one, just let's continue on the road of more awareness and openness about mental illness so you can talk to somebody and say, you know, for instance, 
I think your alcohol use, your, your drug use, your depression is starting to cause some serious problems in the family. Let's talk about it. And it's not a crazy how dare you thing like it used to be. So that one's easy to understand. We'll put that aside. Easy to understand. I'm not sure how easy it would be to happen in the culture. but Oh, it's got to be a, a slow but sure cultural move. Yeah, it's, there's no way to implement it. And it's extremely difficult in a free society to uh, commit somebody on an involuntary basis. That is very, very hard to do. Again, I'm not trying to be a naysayer, but, I mean, good Lord, oh, can I'm... you imagine how many uh, family disputes, neighbor disputes, uh, business disputes would end up... Political well, disputes. I'll tell you what the problem is. Jim drinks too much. What are you freaking talking about? Jim is mentally Jim has a dry... Oh, yeah, or Jim's crazy. Right. Um... All of a sudden, Jim's got the straitjacket on. So anyway, I'm p- putting that aside. That's that's absolutely, we got to keep working on that, but there's not a lot of will, and that's going to be a tough one. Here is the, the truth. We've got to be realistic. Well, number one, no, let's, let's start the, here with what we said to Lori, what I said to Lori. Invest in a serious, smart way in the foster care program shepherding children into adulthood out of foster care because what is it 50 percent of foster kids uh end up homeless the number of girls who end up turning tricks is horrific and these are girls uh, the number of uh the boys from foster care who end up in prison that's who's in our prisons not exclusively but that's a huge amount we have to recognize that's an enormous problem so the current crop of homeless people Let's be realistic. Can we help 20% of them? Can we seriously help 20% of them? I say let's give a thumbs up to that plan because you keep going for the unicorn riding 100% solutions, you're going to waste your time and your money and your effort. It's a damn shame, but it is what it is. So set it at 20%. Maybe you think it's 30% and, and see if you can help them. But let's eliminate the next several generations of homelessness by attacking the problem in the foster care system. Oh, and by society, let's echo every single moment we can. A family ought to be, whenever possible, two parents raising that child. If you make a child, raise that child. Shout it from the rooftops. Don't apologize to anybody for saying that. See, I, I, I think that's the majority of the problem, is just a uh, a decaying community family structure where this all got taken care of right? somehow. <clears throat> We've gone um, from a a duty society, that's D-U-T-Y, idiots, a duty society. Wow. Well, I'm sorry, my fellow idiots, (laughs) to a uh, pleasure society. How about we shout it from the, we say to anybody who wants to listen and half the people who don't, don't get high and be drunk all the time if you have kids. Parents who who are doing drugs are scumbags. Raise your damn child. And if you get a woman pregnant, you are responsible for that child, sir. Then let's quit. Listen, and and here's where it gets controversial. There are a lot of single parents out there who are absolutely busting their asses and are great people. Let's stop making the single parent into some sort of hero de facto. Let's recognize something went wrong or less than ideal in that person being a single parent. Not condemning anybody, not judging anybody, but it's less than ideal. But if you don't have a, f- a family structure or friend structure or something like that, um, you know, you don't you, you don't need a whole bunch of twists and turns in your life where you got nothing and you got nowhere to go. Right. And the difference between, you know, getting a couch surf for six months 
or not is the difference between going completely over the cliff or not. And if you got, you know, if you come from some sort of family structure where you got a brother, sister, mom, dad, somewhere where you could do that, you know, that could be the difference. And I just think that has been eliminated in a lot of lives. Well, that's, uh, you're right. You're 100% right. Um, what we do about that is a tougher question. Oh, yeah. I, I, well, yeah, it's I the no question. How do you stop a crumbling society from crumbling? Okay, quickly. Um, why is Facebook actually recruiting women to send them their nude pics of themselves? Jack, it's a brilliant Sounds plan. like a clever plan by Zuckerberg, who's been married for a little while now and is getting a little bored. <laughs> Allegedly. Jack, it's actually a very clever plan that is not a story from The Onion, even though I've read it twice and I'm convinced it's a story from The Onion. <laughs> but they're doing to, it on the Today Show. I'm looking up there. To recognize your naked pictures. Let's not use you, because it'll be tough to get through this segment. <laughs> So you got some you got some gal. She's an open-minded gal. She and her beau or boyfriend or husband, they've, they've done a couple of nudie pics. Her suitor. Her suitor. <laughs> I say, I've come to court you, my darling. <laughs> they've, they've done a little naked pic uh, stuff. She's got some naked pics. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, they're trying to crack down on the revenge porn thing where you break up with them, you're mad, and you're an idiot and an a-hole, by the way, if you do this. And you and you and you put the uh, the naked pictures of your ex on the internet. How does Facebook or, or anybody? How does Facebook know that those are your pictures? Because you've already sent them to Facebook. You've said, "Here are my naked pictures. If you ever see them, do me a favor, take them off and let me know." And Facebook has an algorithm that says, "I recognize that nipple." Exactly. I mean, what, what is going on there? Exactly. It recognizes the picture. Jack, it's all yeah, digital information. Very, very clever It's plan. all digital yes, information. Yes. I can recognize that nipple with my algorithm. Yes, ladies, send me your naked pictures. I will protect you. Yeah. Unrelated note, I have changed my name to digital information. I'm the guy <laughs> at that desk. Yeah. Right. Joe Facebook is my new name. Send me your naked pictures and I'll... Uh, I'll keep an eye out for them. And so (laughs) wherever Facebook stores all these nudie pics, what's the chance that doesn't get hacked and all of them are uh, spilled out under the world? The chance that it doesn't get hacked? Zero. (laughs) It will be hacked. And then your beautiful naked pictures will be out. Not from your ex-boyfriend, but from Zuckerberg. Listen to this horse ass. This is from the USA Today. I see right through you, Zuckerberg. Send me your naked pics. I'll protect you. Oh, I won't look at them. Come on! I don't Who's care how rich you are. You like, <laughs> you like naked pictures. Uh, so listen to this horse, S. Would you? According to Australia's e-safety office, one in five Australians has faced image-based abuse. Image-based <laughs> abuse? intimate photo has been posted to show social media without their consent. One in five Australians has <laughs> naked pics on the web without their permission? Number one, I'm moving to Australia because it's a nonstop swing-a-thong down under, baby. Um, but Holy what are, cow, you, what are you Aussies doing? I've seen your aborigine. So, well, if 20% have had their naked pics posted without their consent, friggin' everybody's taking naked pics down under, apparently. Taking a picture of your down under. Mm. You bunch of kangaroo riding pervos. Didgery don't. Yes, please. <laughs> please show me your koala, baby. Oh, my. Uh, what's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Uh, you know, it's looking more and more like nervous Republicans are going to sink tax reform. We're going to get into that. 
Meanwhile, it turns out sheep are not so dumb, and actor Kevin Spacey's career takes another serious hit. Stories coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Giddy. Now, is Facebook actually doing this, or is this just an, in the idea stage? It's uh, it's an experiment in Australia. Okay. You are listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Donald Trump breaks uh, breaks tradition or precedent in a lot of different ways and has. And uh, sometimes I think it's awesome. Sometimes I don't. Uh, we'll throw this one out to you maybe here in a little bit uh, over the not taking questions from reporters with the Chinese leader. Breaking precedent. Hmm. We'll discuss. Interesting. Yeah. Good thing or bad thing. Good thing or bad thing. All right, Wolf. Stay tuned. <laughs> News now with Marsha Phillips. Well, GOP House Speaker Paul Ryan again singing the praises of tax cuts and tax reform. During a Capitol briefing today, Ryan said Republican tax cuts will reduce taxes at every income level. It will increase hiring around the country. Ryan dismissing speculation voters will punish Republicans in next year's midterm elections because of the tax cuts. When we do this, make good on our word, make good on our promise, make people's lives better, we're going to be just fine politically. Now, this is about politics, not policy. I like to differentiate. I'm not a horse race guy. I'd rather talk about policy. But they did a, uh, they, the Washington Post ABC did a poll of over a thousand Americans. Uh, how would you describe the Trump tax plan? Which is a snapshot of perceptions about it. Maybe right. not fact, but perception. Over a thousand people. Only 4%. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Um,. Where is that number? Uh, Just five people out of 1,005 mentioned the word cut. How is that possible? They said, just pick out one word about the tax plan. Just any word. What have you heard about the tax plan? How would you describe it? Just five out of 1,005 said cut. Well, is that a messaging problem then? Or Um, or reflects reality? um, Maybe both, but it's mostly a cut. For the masses of people. Uh, the poll found 22% of Americans offered positive one-word descriptions, with fair standing out as the most positive common word, named by only 4% overall. Similar percentages used uh, terms like good, excellent, or great, 2% each. But 22% used positive words. 41% used negative words about it. 15% used a neutral word. And 22% said, go to hell, I'm not giving you no word. <laughs> so they've got a serious perception problem. 41 to 22, negative to positive. And from everything I've read, for the masses of people, the largest uh, you know, demographic groups, uh, income groups, it is a cut. So nice job again, Republicans. God, you're terrible at your jobs. Well, you know, it's interesting. You're talking about uh, the cuts. New York Republican Representative Peter King is worried publicly about the House tax plan, risk of losing middle-class voters who are drawn to Trump. Uh, Trump rather. King hey, is saying, hey, that's editorializing. <laughs> King's telling the uh, New York Times, 
I'm convinced we are going to lose the middle class with this tax bill. How can you vote for tax reform if it's going to increase the taxes in your district? Just so you can show a major That's a New York thing, though. Just so you can show a major legislative accomplishment, people will think you're nuts. But you're right. That is in a high tax state. But there are a number of uh, Republicans that are worried about uh, that kind of impression. Yeah, but there's an awful lot of states out there that uh, they would benefit from New York and California getting stuck and would uh, not only like the money, but really enjoy sticking it to New York and California. So who knows what their enthusiasm will be? Well, and I have sympathy for that point of view, just ideologically. On the other hand, as uh, as Daryl Issa put it to us when we chatted with him earlier, he said, you never see that money. The state takes it from you. You will never touch it. You will never see it. They take it for you before you ever have it. And the federal government is going to tax that money. Right. That you never saw, you never touched, you can never use. Boy, when you put it like that, it's just, it's not right. Actor Kevin Spacey is being cut out of a movie that is set to come out next month after allegations of sexual harassment and assault. You got director Ridley Scott reshooting all of Spacey's scenes from... All the money in the world with Christopher Plummer now in Spacey's place. The film centers around the 1973 kidnapping of John Paul Getty III, and Spacey was playing Getty's grandfather. A little sensitivity, please. That's my great uncle. The billionaire J. Paul Getty. The film is supposed to debut on December the 22nd. Now, the, the story about the kidnapping is really very, very weird, very interesting. Kidnappers... Uh, grab the Spoiler grandson. alert, I guess, if you're planning on seeing the movie. <laughs> Kidnappers. Right. With Christopher Plummer and somebody. <laughs> uh, Mark Wahlberg and Michelle Williams are the right. other stars. Yeah, kidnappers grabbed the grandson, demanded millions for his release, and to prompt the notoriously cheap Getty Sr., sent him his grandson's ear along with ransom demands and promised to send more pieces of him if granddad didn't respond. He's, how is he supposed to know that's his ear? You want an ear? I can get you an ear by 3 o'clock. What? Um, uh, so they just thought that Spacey is so toxic toxic that yeah. people wouldn't go to the movie because he's in it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so they just, they've gone around reshooting so, yes. all the scenes. They're bringing oh, right. all the actors yeah. back to reshoot the scenes that he's Done. in at a great expense yeah, to I'd the say. studio. I'd you remember say. when we were going to try to buy a human leg? Yeah. <laughs> we really looked into it. See, or a foot. Yeah, or a foot or something. We were going to start planting body parts in a in a nearby river when we were a local show. And we, and we were going to like take the lead in investigating the body parts and... And what monster might be living in the river? We're Was that our plan? Out, yeah, we're trying to figure out how to get publicity. We're a right. new radio show, and we thought if we could get a hold of a foot and find it down at the river, we'd be on on news all the time. And then find like you know a couple of days later a hand, right? Oh, right. <laughs> and we thought we thought is there some sort of like uh-huh. a, a, a university <laughs> medical center where we could get body parts? Is there somebody who knows somebody who could get us? <laughs> <laughs> Sean, you look like you think this is a crackpot oh, plan. Know. Hard to imagine you guys didn't ascend farther in this industry. <laughs> yeah, we're we were young, a, we were hungry, we were thinking out of the box, all right? We would have gotten a lot of attention. Oh, that's true. It's kind of a coincidence, isn't it, that these get this new radio show found a foot, and now they've found a hand a couple of days later? Well, no. Once we found the foot, we thought, well, maybe there's more parts. <laughs> and we went back. Right. All right, that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm Strong and Giddy Show, the voice of the West. And you wouldn't believe how much time we spent discussing how to pull this off. Oh, yeah. Damn, we had to-do lists and all sorts of stuff. Never, the plan never came together, though. Couldn't find stories, alien.
aliases. <laughs> you had a lot of time on your hands back then, didn't you? <laughs> we were desperate. We were hungry. We were young. Yeah. We needed attention. We needed a foot. Good thing or bad thing on what Trump did in China, retaking questions. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Anybody who listens to the program is aware of that, but I seem to remember this now that it's been brought to my attention. Donald Trump's first official visit to China, he opted not to hold the joint press conference press conference with President Xi Jinping, breaking decades of precedent where U.S. leaders have insisted on taking reporters' questions in a repressive communist regime. Whenever our president gets... Uh, gets together with somebody else. You see these all the time. They both stand up there at podiums, or, or her, and they take they take questions. That's just the way we do it. Mm-hmm. Guy from Ireland, Britain, Germany, wherever. And with China. And we have, for many years, insisted upon that. Uh, Jay Carney uh, weighed in on Twitter on the story. I once had to tell Chinese officials that President Obama would not show up for the press avail unless there would be a Q&A. They backed down, and we took questions. Um, Chuck Todd said... Uh, 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 Bill Clinton has done that. Uh, his administration did that. I witnessed it myself. Here's President George W. Bush with the Chinese president in Shanghai taking a couple of questions after insisting that they, they did it. Jake Tapper jumped in and said the Chinese government never wants to take questions from U.S. reporters. In the past, American presidents have insisted upon its demonstration of standing up for the freedoms our nation believes in. and Drawing um, a contrast, right. Yeah, right. Uh, and then he uh, tweeted out pictures of Obama, Clinton, and W all taking questions, standing next to the current leader at the time in China. And then you make the the commie refuse to answer the questions, drawing a stark contrast between our systems. And um, Chuck Todd, uh, host of Meet the Press, China is sleepy eyes. Chuck Todd, China overrated. Isn't su- China isn't supposed to have a say about press access. Previous press secretaries used to fight with Chinese counterparts. <laughs> For press access, when in China, I've witnessed this personally. There's a bunch of people saying that. I think it's another, uh, I, in, unless somebody can point out something I'm missing here, it seems like a bad idea that Trump went along with them deciding not to take questions. I, uh, as usual, though, would fall back on, I doubt here his people had any idea that that's the way we usually do it. And uh, maybe if it was pointed out to him, he would uh, change his mind. But I wonder, surely somebody in the State Department said something. Because the State Department's a big part of setting up these uh, visits. Mm-hmm. I'd be surprised if they didn't know that, honestly. Do you think he made this conscious decision knowing that that is the history yeah. to, to change it? Yeah, okay. which is odd because he has been by far the most open president about just taking casual questions from the press. So I'm a little surprised. You know, he might see it as, listen, I'm going to do old G a favor here. I'm not going to put him on the hot seat this time. We'll see if we get something out of him. Yeah. I or, doubt that'll work. Or we're closer to them getting on board with something serious with North Korea. You know, if that's the reason, I might be willing to go along with it. Yeah. Yeah. They say comfort a buyer, rattle a seller. 
Maybe we're trying to get them to buy something. Who knows? We'll see. I hope there's a more reporting on this because I'd like to know. I have an open mind. And now, Sleeve Boy presents <laughs> Final Thoughts with Armstrong and Getty. Sleeve Boy? Sleeve Boy, the little button between the wrist and the elbow. Help me button it, Sleeve Boy. I'll TV you, Sleeve Boy, with no worries. <laughs> you live such a simple life, Sleeve Boy. All you need to worry about is my sleeves. <laughs> Would that it were, we could swap places for just a day. Oh, Sleeve Boy, I envy you and your simple life. Here's your host, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody. Positive Sean, final thought? Uh, I did day two of me trying to do some sort of exercise every day, and I think it's working because I have yet to do a sit-up, but my abs hurt, which I think means the core exercises are working. Good. Keep talking about that. Maybe it will remind me to start exercising. It's not an option. Michelangelo, final thought. Yeah, this Christmas, if you buy your kids toys, buy the good quality stuff. Actually, it'll... They'll hold on to them, they'll last longer, and they'll be cheaper long-term. True Maybe that. Maybe to their kids. Absolutely. Marsha Phillips, final thoughts. i got to tell you, I'm heading out because unlike Jack, I'm going to have a professional mo- remove my stitches from my recent uh, operation. Ah. I'm not going to try and do it myself. Baby. And I do want to say thank you to Justin with the Honeycut Winery in St. Helena. They sent me a great get well bottle of Shardy the other day. <laughs> oh, a lovely you. gesture. Yes. Mix that with the Oxycontin? Huh? Oh, no worries. Yes. Lovely gesture. There's usually a little taste for the, the host. Just saying. But Jack, <laughs> final thought? You know, on that topic you mentioned, Michael, my kids play with a couple of Tonka trucks that I played with as a kid. There are no toys I've purchased for them that have a chance of lasting until their children are old enough to play with them. Be glad if they last till next week. Yeah. Some my final thought is some of the top negative words in describing the new tax plan: biased, bad, stupid, idiotic, unfair, rich, greedy, selfish, self-serving, biased, or regressive. I have no idea what could, that could be based on. Oh well, democracy's been, a terrible idea. I've been called a number of those things. Armstrong and Getty, right back up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over. The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. The show's over. What? Bye-bye. Maybe next time he'll think before he tweets. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.